Hi, heathens. I am Matthew Blake. I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast that you're listening to right now. Uh, I wanted to say two, just two quick things before we dive into today's really fantastic conversation. So first, I want to point you to our heathen happy hours if you have not yet discovered them. And if you haven't, oh my gosh, like follow us on social media because it's like the biggest thing that we're doing and talking about right now. Um, so my co-host Karen and I, we became housemates just about a month before the world imploded. Uh, the COVID-19 virus came in and, you know, we were all in lockdown. So, uh, because we're people who fall into that nebulous artist, musician, writer, talker, freelance field, we decided to make the most of our little household quarantine, pull in our partners, spouses, and put on a live show every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. And it's part cover concert, part drag and dress-up show, and part happy hour. We pick a theme, we pour some drinks, hopefully you're pouring drinks as well as you're watching. Uh, We put on a costume and we play about 90 minutes of music that is almost entirely audience suggestions. So, like, for instance, past themes have included liquor, love songs, and Lady Gaga, boy bands, breakups, and beer, and last week's big hit, which was 90s, Natalie's, and Natty Lights. Um, we love alliterations here at Heathen, Heathen, Heathen Happy Hour. What can I say? Um, so we're live on Facebook every Thursday, 7 p.m., and we would absolutely love for you to join us. It's very interactive, very silly, and frankly, it's the best part of my week because we're hanging out with you. We actually feel like we're with people, and we're just leaning hard into our motto here at Heathen, which is less alone, more alive. Um, And so to that end, the second thing and the last thing I wanted to mention before we get into the episode uh, is our Patreon account. It's been probably 10 episodes since we even mentioned that we have a Patreon because we're just, we suck at the part of creative work that asks for support and compensation. So I don't know, every once in a while we like to, you know, throw it in there. Hey, we have a Patreon account. Um, Listen, we know that times are hard. We know a lot of people have seen their incomes fall because of uh, this recession, depression that we're in. So when we ask for your support, we're we're only doing so knowing exactly how costly it can be. Um, Heathen is the kind of work that we're proud and happy to put into the world. And if you enjoy it and you happen to have the means to support us with a small monthly contribution, we welcome that at our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash heathenpodcast. Your gifts help us keep this thing going. It helps us create community and a safe place for spiritual exploration for folks who have just really been through the religious ringer. So thank you. And again, we only ask you to give if you have that wonderful thing called a disposable income that, you know, I've, we've heard. We've heard some people actually have that. Good for you. All right, that's it from me. Let's get into this talk with the incredible Azure Antoinette. you hear my dog drinking water as if she's never had any? No. Can you hear that? No. Okay. We can't. She's fine. And again, like if we don't have animal sounds, it's not an episode of Heathen. There's yeah. always a dog barking or my cat jumps on Matthew's head in the middle of it or That's true. something. She has so. been on a hunger strike. Oh, buddy. Just, just because she's like, I, I think you guys spent too much time looking at me. Uh, and now she's such... I'm, I'm like borderline two feet away from a hunger strike like yeah. every Wednesday. That's fair. pretty much where hunger strike yeah. kicks in for me. And then that's fair. Then, you know, co-parenting kicks in and I get a break night and then like I'm back on the bridge of sanity. Right. But 
It's a good time. So, okay, so. I've never known what it's like to be close to a hunger strike. <laughs> That's not my form of protest. <laughs> Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, Heathens. <laughs> Hi, Heathens. <laughs> Uh, it's funny because we always are laughing after like the first awkward when you said it I got nervous again I like you know like it's not weird and then we make it weird by being like okay let's all say it together hi heathens Uh, so you know it's not awkward at all hi heathens we're being our usual super cool selves today well this actually I like this like starting with that this time because in our little pre-conversation with today's guests who we are going to have introduce themselves in just a moment uh, we were just talking about the power of words and just like the name heathen, which was a really intentional pick for for um, specifically because it's such a polarizing, potentially powerful uh, a word. And and when we started, when I started this thing, I was like, I you know, frankly, don't really want to have to deal with any uh, feedback or whatever from mm-hmm. like my ultra. Uh, conservative fundamentalists, you know, the, the place I came from growing up. And so I feel like this would just be a way to ward them off right, <laughs> just by claiming it. Like, you. like, listen, this is, this is what this is. So yeah. don't come at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that. But it, 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 it has the reverse effect sometimes of making it hard to, uh, to make guests even feel comfortable coming on, mm-hmm. uh, which is not the intent because I do think we're, we're pretty friendly. We're pretty open. We're pretty good. But, um, but yeah, it's like that 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 word's crazy. So I don't know. Let's let's hear what you have to say about that, Azure. Welcome, welcome, Azure Antoinette to Heathen Podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hi, Heathens. Yay! <laughs> yeah, you did it. Good work. Good job. <laughs> Good. I was so uncomfortable even saying it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I am a poet and an author and a entrepreneur and. Uh, met Karen a few years ago I think or maybe God, yeah yeah I think it was two years ago and and uh and finally on this awesome podcast so thanks for having me y'all yeah I'm so glad that you're here especially in the middle of this wild and wacky world in mm. which all anyone does is talk to the internet thank you for being willing to talk to <laughs> the internet yet again today totally uh, I'm here for it yeah, it's it's a lot of internet yeah, it's a lot it of is. internet chatting yeah so we met initially at uh your book signing in yes. Denver? Denver. Denver. Yes, that's right. In Denver, Colorado. You, were, you, must have been, you were visiting Mel, I think. I Well, I was actually, it was a weird set of, of circumstances because I was there for a conference that was totally unrelated. And the conference uh, was lovely, but it had also hit a bunch of trigger frustration points for me and I needed to get away from the conference and Mel was like why don't you come to this event that I'm doing tonight and I was like you bet I'll be there in a second and then saw you speak and just loved you loved your poetry I I can't decide if you're talking about the conference or just Denver in general I mean uh, sure yeah everything everything (laughs) that I would (laughs) I mean really for the purpose of this conversation it's the same because my problem with Denver is the same as my problem with this conference so yes yes and 
but yes, came and listened and wound up bringing a, a book of yours home to my friend who was also frustrated with the conference. And just, it just, we, we had this beautiful moment around your poetry oh, and it was, it was a wonderful, it was the best thing that came out of that week for oh, me, for no. sure. Well, so. I, I, I certainly, you know, I appreciate the support and, uh, you know, it's, it's been cool. It's, it's, it's always really good when you are able to, um, make connections and kind of, you know, keep that going and just, you know, stay in each other's, you know, periphery and things like that. I, I think that, I think this is awesome. And I'm, I'm excited that, that we're finally getting a chance to do this. Yeah, me too. I'm super, super grateful. So you're on this, you know, problematically named podcast, <laughs> the heathen podcast, Love which it. Matthew, the name for that came from because your mom used to. Yeah, my mom uh, inspired our name because she. I I, I grew up in an incredibly uh, fundamentalist, almost cult uh, like situation, uh, where, I mean, my mom to this day still has to do things like cover her hair when she goes to church, and you know cannot speak in in public places in church uh, and things like that. But um, so she had a, just a very <laughs> black and white view of the world and anything that she designated as falling outside the bounds of what was safe and okay in our, um, in our religious scope was heathen. So it was kind of a joke half, half, half of the time <laughs> when she would just say it, you know, and she would say it about like a person we passed on the sidewalk, like, oh, yeah. heathen, you know, we're wearing a, you know, a song that's not about Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We weren't even allowed to sing songs that weren't, you know, written by yeah. a Christian. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that if my whole life things have been called heathen and, and so it just seemed appropriate for, for when I decided I wanted to start exploring that conversation. But, um, so yeah, one of the things we'd love to do, uh, to kick off the conversation is to just hear a little bit about the spiritual upbringing of the person we're chatting with. So whatever that looked like for you growing up, um, uh, love, yeah. love to hear. Sure. Um, I, I grew up, uh, raised in a Christian, uh, Christian or, or Baptist, I, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and my mom is Portuguese and black. Uh, she was raised Catholic, baptized Catholic. And I think later, uh, was baptized again, uh, in a, in a Christian or Baptist church. So mm. I, uh, I remember singing in the choir from the time I might've been like three on, um, you know, really, like really rigid. My mother is a massive researcher and reader. So, you know, she's a retired litigator, the way she interprets the law. And, you know, with all of the same context and importance, she treats the Bible uh, 800 times, you know, stronger than all of her code law. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if we weren't practicing the preamble of the constitution, we were, it was always recitation of, you know, Isaiah or Job. And if something went wrong, you know, my mom had 18 verses and, you know, I just, I just remember being in church all day. Yeah. Um, and black churches, you know, time is. Uh, Ceases to exist. Oh, just <laughs> like what, how did we arrive at nine and we're getting home at four, yep. <laughs> you know, and like, and we weren't having a great time. You know, the only thing I will say was like the music was always just top breaking notch. Yeah. So 
Like I, I could always do the music, but man, trying to stay awake during the sermons was tough. And, right. uh, you know, the older you got, the less that was all right. So <laughs> it's um, cute when you're five. It's not oh, it's so cute so when you're 25. When you're yep. four on yep. first <laughs> Sunday, because first Sunday was like eight hours longer than your average church service. And, uh, yep. you know, then we were ushers growing up. My sister and I hated that. Um, but I, I, I stayed going to church because it was the only place my mom would let me sing. So, um, mm. That was, that was it, but it was, you know, really strong household. You know, you did something wrong. My mom, you know, was like, God will see you and you want to be sure to wake up tomorrow morning. And I'd be like, wow, that feels heavy. I just didn't know what that man at seven. So I just knew I was like, yes, I ate the cupcake. Uh, <laughs> I'm very sorry, Jesus. Yeah. And then she was like, you know, when Peter, and I was like, oh man, we always got to talk about Peter. So, um, <laughs> Peter, Peter was a mess, man. Peter's sure. just a mess. We'd have, we'd have like a bad day, and she's like, you remember the road to Damascus? I'm like, oh, I can't. Like, I actually can't. Right now. So, uh, so um, oh a Bible verse on our sandwich bags every day, and wow. a message that said it to me, mine was always apply yourself because I had trouble focusing in school. Um, but yeah. It was, it was, uh, Jeremiah 29 and 11 was like a big, mm-hmm. was my big verse. And then, um, set apart to serve the Lord was our theme when I got into high school. Mm. Oh yeah. And then, you know, there were just the tapestries all over the house and all the things. Mm-hmm. I, we listened to a lot of gospel. I still like, I came from a very musical household. My mom can't sing anything actually ever <laughs> on, on any sort of key. Uh, but loved music, played right. violin growing up. And so we grew up, you know, uh, always Saturday night was always listening to gospel music to get ready for Sunday. Sunday was all gospel music. And then by Tuesday, she would let us turn on Motown again. But oh, okay. if it got too crazy or we stepped out of line, then we had to put it back on the gospel. That's so, amazing. You have the Holy um, Weekend. And- yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was heavy. You know, the church was not, something I entirely understood. And my mom didn't want us going to the youth services because she said that, uh, I can't remember how she used to put it, but she was like, there's too much laughing in there. <laughs> it's too fast and loose. With this wasn't, script, like, laughing on the cross. And I was like, mom, how do you, how do you get there every time? So, you know, like if we didn't want to wake up for school, my mom would be like, well, I'm sure, I'm sure the Lord didn't want to get up. I'm like, wow, you can't, you just yeah. can't keep this everywhere. You can't it's heavy it. carrying across around all of the time. Like yeah. that's a heavy. When I started asking questions just about logic, like just some of the things I was experiencing, like I just got met with a lot of opposition, but very mm-hmm. little context or ways to help me assimilate what the scripture was. It was just like, it's because it says, and I was like, well, it also says this. And so it just, it felt a bit of costing. I think by the time I got to high school, um, you know, it just felt, it just felt like something you were supposed to do. And I, I went to a, a private Christian school and we were, we were pretty, pretty lit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, less, less focused on the good gospel. Um, yeah, that's in, all in, that. in yeah. like the notorious tradition of Christian schools 100%. everywhere. Like I yep. was like, ooh, this is 
we're a tough crowd. Yeah. I'm so mad because I also went to like pre K through 12, went to a Christian school, but my thing was my mom was a teacher at the school too. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I, I felt really compelled to like toe the line always. And I, it wasn't until I graduated that I heard some of the stories of like, how wild some of my friends were in oh, high school. Yeah. And I'm like, I missed out. Yeah. I went See, I went to a secular public school with my mother nowhere near me. And I was like the kid who showed up first for see you at the poll on, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I was such an obsessive self-regulator that I'm like, no, no, sure. no, no. The yeah, Lord can no, still see me. We had no regulations. So mm. it just, it, it, it didn't retain, uh, I guess a lot of uh, value or weight for me. And it always just felt like uh, it was very based on consequences and, Mm. and hate versus love. And like, Mm. from everything that, you know, whether it's, you know, John three 16 or just the basics of Christ's relationship with Mary Magdalene. And like, you know, just these people who everyone considered passable and unsavory. I just was like, I remember asking my mom, like, it felt as if Jesus were walking the earth today. He would be hanging out with your LGBT folks. You'd see him at pride. Like he'd be kicking it, you know, helping out the girls at Planned Parenthood. Like I just, if, if you're telling me that this is the principle that God is love, I don't understand mm. how you juxtapose it with all of this brimstone mm. and like, vile vile hatred and uh no one could ever really give me any additional information they just you know as adults do uh they just kind of shut you down and you know tell you Mm. to go make yourself useful or whatever it was so um yeah it was uh it was an interesting experience yeah that's because none of that's in the book right (laughs) (laughs) they don't have any scripture to pull out for that it's not it's not hard yeah in there that's the problem it was it was strange to be raised by someone who believed in so many absolutes because my mom can walk you through any case precedents, mm-hmm. all kinds of procedure and be like, this is the law. This is what it says. The law is not open to interpretation. I'm like, all right, well, if that were true, then everything in the old Testament, like we can move forward then. They're like, no, because then you get to reference back on. I was like, but I thought you said that we were, and they were like, Mm-mm, it's different. And I'm like, okay, mm. fair enough. So you guys have the subtext. You have the subtweet Bible. Got it. <laughs> You're getting all the secret messaging. That's yeah, not, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So that that was that's the that was my experience as a like as a child and a teenager. Um, that's pretty. I mean, yeah. Y- you're pretty sharp there in high school to like already pick up on that. At least speaking from my own experience, it took me just much longer before I really started questioning a lot of that stuff. So that's kind of cool that you were. I think it just aware. Everyone was just, no, I remember what happened. Um, It was the church that we were in eighth grade. My mom had found some sort of inconsistency in their bookkeeping or legal. They had asked her to look at Mm. something. And when she brought it to whoever's attention, um, they made an example out of her and called her up in front of service during benediction and and then told this parable about the snake in the grass. Mm. And we never went back there. We left that church that day. And I remember my mom's heart was super broken because she was very committed to you know, the whole practice and the pastor and Sunday school and all the things. And, 
um, I didn't really get it. I remember sitting in the audience and then my sister, you know, my older sister was like, I think, I think they're mad at mom or something mm -hmm. along those lines. And we never went back to that church and it took my mom a while, maybe, maybe a year or so before we joined a new church. And, um, it just never was really the same after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, she joined the church that she is a member of now. I, I am not a member of their church, but, uh, you know, they have been, you know, really kind to her and, and lovely. And that was, uh, that was nice. But my experiences have, have been a bit odd. I, I don't quite understand it. Like if we are supposed to be these, uh, these beacons of, of showing the love of Christ or, you know, what way is good and, and uh, the benefits of, of praising God versus praising yourself. Like mm -hmm. we are not, uh, we are not good visible examples yeah. of what this supposedly is supposed to represent. Matter of fact, we mm. are quite abject to, I mean, are very averse. Like I, this just, it doesn't feel right. So, right. you know, the more opposition I expressed, the more I was met with, you know, a lot of, a lot of heat and, uh, then I kind of just stopped talking and, and really went into like a very apathetic teenager kind of, well, F it, it doesn't really matter kind of thing. You know what I mean? And that was, it was like that until my mid twenties. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if there's one area where you shouldn't encounter fragility in the face of challenge, it should right. be from God, right? Perfect. If God is supposed to be love, like that's, right. That's when I when I think back at those systems and, the, and and being so immersed in it. That's the thing that that comes to me again and again is just how even even to me it felt fragile. It felt yeah. like something that uh, if I thought the wrong thing or went down the wrong the wrong path, I could break it so easily. I could break right. these rules, and then right. it and that that seems so contradictory to the actual story that we were told, you know. And that's, a, I think that's the thing, Karen, is like, it's the contradiction. And you get used to that, uh, you know, we grew up my, in a single parent household and you just, you become accustomed to listening to adults say, you can't do that, but I can. Right, um, and for, you know, whatever reason, like you you could hurt yourself or it's dangerous or yeah. this, that, and the other. Like they never tell you why you can't do it. They just say that you can't. And it started to feel mm -hmm. like, I was hearing that more and more from leaders in the church. And I was like, I, mm, how come? Because yeah. the Bible says that we are all created equal. You are not, you do not exist above me. So, right. and, and you, there's idolatry is not permitted. So I, I'm just, I can't really work out why you are being carried into the church. I just want to know how come, why, why is everybody holding you? What, like, what, what is that? You know what I mean? Like this feels, you feel like some sort of demi God to me. Right. So and that's where's that, like, you know, like, so what, what do you mean? Can I, can I do the sermon next week? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, cool. oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you, so God called you. Oh, cool. Yeah. What did you say? Did you tape it or what did, <laughs> what did you mean? He talked to me too. Yeah. He texted me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it just started to be, I just started to become combative and then I yeah. just kind of yeah. Wow. I, I, so I, I, you know, kind of joked that it took me much longer, but in, in truth, I was, I was logging all these same exact things that were, sure. that were happening for me. I just was, I did, I was not outspoken yet about them. Right. It really did take me till my late twenties until I was actually 
ready to like say hey this is not working like look around um and by that time i had i had i had a good stockpile of examples of that kind of right i mean hypocrisy unfortunately is what it boils down to um my my mom i think that one of the differences between i sorry for that i keep comparing our stories but no, i just keep it. i keep seeing my mom as as you're talking my mom uh had a she, she and my dad divorced uh when i was just off to college and um th- she had a similar experience where i don't think there was any like during the church service public statement or whatever made about their divorce but um there was always like prayer chains um you know, there was, it was gossip coded as like concern, right. About what was going on in people's lives. And my mom felt that, that shame and that, um, just that, that, uh, that, yeah, that voice of, of shame coming from her own church, but she didn't do what yours did, which was to walk away. My mom like stuck it out and kind of suffered in silence. And, right. and I think that for me was one of the biggest moments where I was just like, this is not, right this is supposed to be my, my mom's entire life has been spent in this community of people right. who call themselves a family of love and right. this is the time she needs them the most right. and and this is the time when they are the furthest from her and it just really that was heartbreaking to watch um, and, and you know I, now that you say that like I remember you know a couple people called asking why we hadn't been to church and week, you know, I asked my mom, I said, how come you didn't tell them? And she said, it, I just, that's not for me. And she would, you know, she would mm. then go into that whole, like, God said, vengeance is his. And I was mm-hmm. just like, I mean, like, okay, but that's super disrespectful. Like yeah. what they said about you isn't true. And that's a lie. And didn't you say that that's a great sin as well? And, you know, like, so it just, it just became this whole, like, oh, that doesn't apply here. And I was like, hmm, yeah. that's a lot of, uh, you guys have a lot of exceptions. That's mm, a, there's a mm. lot of caveats to how this thing works for you to say so simply, this is the way, the truth, and the life. They were like, well, kind of. If yeah. you do this, this, and this, don't ask this, and don't touch this, and move over there. And I was like, mm, okay. Just don't break it. Don't yeah, yeah, that. yeah. So, I, I mean, I think, like, I had a lot of the thoughts. Um, I asked a few questions. I didn't push too hard because I think I was still trying to figure out, like, how I felt about most things myself. but you know, by the time I got to, uh, I don't know what it was. It must've been like 24 or 25. Like it, it, you know, I just was like, mm, I don't, I don't think I'm, yeah. I'm going to go. Mm, so, yeah. It's yeah. such a, it's such a fascinating, like the, it's funny. Cause I, I can look back on my upbringing and my too far away. You want me closer it's, to my your, microphone? Your microphone's dipping. Sorry. That's I'll be my friend with my microphone. Um, I can say over and over and I do say over and over that there was so much good about my upbringing and my childhood and there was so much love. I was a very well-loved child and well-loved evangelical and I grew up in a relatively small church and I was very well-loved there. Um, and I remember sitting in, I my first divorce, I was 21 and I remember I was disciplined pretty thoroughly by the church. So I was pulled out of all of the places, pulled out of the choir, pulled out of all the places that I was. You know, the elders called me in and they wanted to like wash my feet before they told me that I couldn't participate in anything for a year and uh, this whole bit. And it was, I remember somehow having this sort of blessing of the wherewithal at, as, at 21 to sit outside of it and be like, these people are trying to love me. Mm. 
but we've just got this weird tangle of like the weaponization of shame and this weird glorification of power and this strange like weird idea of leadership where it's just so busted the way that they're <laughs> trying to love me in this moment right. and right. this idea of like well we love you but we have to discipline you we have to do this we yeah. have to save your soul by running you through this discipline because right. you disobeyed in this way right and even though it would be another 10 years before i fully like deconstructed uh, to the point where I was willing to kind of let all of that go, this Christian identity go. Um, it, I I remember sitting in that and just being like, this is like nobody, nobody really knows what they're doing here. Like none of this is consistent. All of it is really human. Like this is all yeah. a power struggle and it's all about who looks right and who looks wrong and making sure that it looks like the right things are being done. Right. And um, just, a, I mean, it's, it's amazing how complicated such a simple idea can be made by a group of humans yeah, fucking it up, true. you know? So true. <laughs> Here's this really lovely idea. God is love. Mm. We are all love. And love is for everyone. Go yeah, ahead, humans. Good. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead and see what you can do with that, you know? <laughs> Have fun. That's so true. So what did it um, look like? You, you were saying in your mid-20s, did, did you like have your own like version of spirituality or, or connectedness that you were kind of following, uh, a path you were following? Or what, what did that look like while you were? No, I mean, like I had, you know, I had just quit my very corporate human resources job to pursue being a poet, which I had no idea what that meant or... <laughs> how that was possible and it was all very instinctual and stressful and I thought it was I, I was having a great time as you do at 25 like yes. 24 you're just like no this is great I mean you're miserable and you're like I'm having a wonderful time so, <laughs> this is awesome um, guys it's exactly what I thought it would be yeah no this is exactly what I was looking for everyone like you guys are you guys are missing out it's and fine. uh <laughs> I just you know I was living in Hollywood right off the 101 um Hollywood and Bronson and you know where we are right now with this love and light and people with the beads and the, the crystals um, we weren't there then when yeah. people said that in the god what was it it must have been early 2000s like they were you know yogi hippie yeah, dippy weird sort of folks like it was not a phenomenon none of the right. stuff that's happening right now was happening like people that were committed to the art and the practice of yoga were legit yeah if we were like i'm a reiki healer like they for real for real they were, were we didn't healer and like you yeah. know they studied in india and they you know they studied in all these different places and they really focused on that so i remember just hearing so much talk between those worlds and then i think madonna with the red bracelet oh what was Kabbalah. that Kabbalah. yeah, yeah. A lot of things started happening and people started you know like going other doing other things and Gwyneth Paltrow named her kid Apple and like everything <laughs> was just like it, it was everything was in flux but all I consistently heard in Hollywood was people talking about the universe mm. and just talking about manifestation through the universe I think the secret was super hot at the time yeah. and I was really confused as to what was happening in all these Hollywood spaces because it's Hollywood and like it's meant to confuse you I mean it's a really 
like it's and sell you something yeah yeah so i just was like all right so the universe people who don't believe in god believe in the universe cool like horoscopes started getting like mad popular again and you know everyone was talking about mercury and the retrograde and who's yeah. rising and I, I and i to date still don't know what anybody was saying so <laughs> um but i just remember thinking oh okay it's the universe cool right. because in my mind i had thought like church was such a terrible experience for me and i was so annoyed by all of the different things hypocrisy and stuff that i had seen i was like well this doesn't make any sense i might as well just like figure it out so i never abandoned my belief in god um, I abandoned my belief in the church or Christianity as a construct. And I was just kind of existing on my own uh, with what I knew. And a girl I was seeing at the time uh, invited me to go to church with her uh, in downtown LA. And I was like, oh, it's not really my jam. Like, I'll catch you after. We'll do a later <laughs> brunch. So, I'll see if I can find somebody that's still doing bottomless at three o'clock. <laughs> like you know, with my church like just saying you know a bunch of a bunch of shit and um so i finally go with her and the church is run by frank e wilson who i believe was one of the founding producers and musicians of motown and the music in this place was uh, it just incredible i mean mm. I, on any given sunday we had philip bailey from earth wind and fire Smokey robinson would rock up kenny Lattimore, oh, like yes. like just people would just roll up you pick the right I'm church like, to go I've back been, to i've goosebumps i'm really stressed you know and then pastor frank came on and it was the first sermon that i ever actually understood it was mm. the first time God, in my that. life where I didn't feel like I could just check out mm-hmm. during the sermon. And I remember I was sitting with my publicist at the time and he, I don't even remember how we got on this, but we said that we likened the pastor to Beyonce. I'm not sure how <laughs> we were able to get there. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, that feels really natural. You yeah, know. but like he just felt like a real Sasha Fierce moment. Yep. Like he just stepped <laughs> on stage and like it was game time. And so I ended up joining that church and I went to that church for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he passed away uh, from a, a long battle with cancer, but he ended up being one of the biggest influences in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, really demonstrated to me what it feels like to just be seen and not judged. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the amount of artists that went to that church. I mean, we had like Carrie Hilson's backup singers and then mm-hmm. like Kelly Price and like just mm. I mean royalty for R and B. Like yeah. it was just unreal. One of our, our drummer got picked up and signed to a band that he's still with and then we were always like having these like guest musicians come in and people just dropping in and uh Pastor Frank used to be like, Come pick me up, let's go run some errands and I never really knew where we were going. We'd end up at, you know, some recording <laughs> studio or some other buddy with the, the four tops and I was like, dude, this is too, ah, this magic. Like, it's too crazy. Then Pastor Frank was hilarious. Sometimes I didn't understand what he was talking about, but he was funny. <laughs> um, he made the Bible seem palatable. Yeah. Uh, he was open to answering questions. He was always honest about what he thought it meant versus what other what other interpretations there were. It was just the first person that decided to discuss God with yeah, me in I a way that. that made me feel like I not only was a like a mentally able adult, but you know that respected my perspective. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I never came out to Pastor Frank. I don't think I had to. Yeah. Um, there were enough people that I knew of in the church that, you know, were gay or were bi or whatever it was, and it just wasn't spoken about. Um, but I never felt uh, persecuted. I never felt... Um, I just, I never felt attacked. And there were some people from the old school of thought that were like super not down, but nobody wanted to hang out with them and they didn't really have any friends. So like everybody <laughs> what it happened. They didn't get uh, invited to the pool parties. Yeah, yeah. but, but it, it was, that changed a lot for me. Um, Pastor Frank was oh, just, he, just an incredible human being. And the stories he would tell, he would find a way to take the scripture and relate it back to his time at Motown and Marvin Gaye. And I mean, I grew up singing. I sang before I spoke. I, I come from a huge, like huge, huge music, like fan family. And uh, it was just, it, it was a beautiful experience to be able to experience God in that way Yeah. Um, yeah. versus all of the stuff that I had been forced to attend, you know, before I could make those decisions for myself. Um and that was, that was big for me. I started going to Bible study, which I never did before because mm-hmm. no one was ever speaking English as far as I was concerned. Right. And I've always been a linguist and a conversationalist. And I was like, oh, you guys are just saying stuff. Like you guys are actually just listening to the sound of each other's voices. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go. So, mm-hmm. um, and you want me to believe that I'm going to light on fire. Right. You guys like, are just I, regurgitating I, the same thing. Like, I got to go. I yeah. can't be here. Um, and so- <laughs> great, great. <laughs> It was the first time that I really felt like I, I got it. And uh, that was cool. That yeah. was really, that really blew my mind. Um, Pastor Frank's wife uh, got me, what did she tell me? She, oh, she had me read Job 38. And to date, other than Job in the book of Isaiah, I don't think I've ever read anything mm-hmm. as well written as Mm. Job 30 and Mm. being a poet who was always trying to create worlds with language, the way in which that was written, uh, which describes our everyday system of living, like every weather element, it was so perfectly worded Mm. uh, for whatever the phrase means about something being God breathed. I believe that that was, I I could only aspire to be able to write like that. Mm. Uh, and it was just, it, it's, uh, it gave me a lot of peace. I still don't understand most of it. I don't understand um, the realm and the spaces that Christianity continues to confound and disappoint me. Mm. Um, but I, I, for whatever the Bible is worth, what whatever it's, its structure was before man manipulated it. If that even was a thing, like I can appreciate the story. Yeah, Um, for sure. I can appreciate where I think I'm supposed to be gleaning or gaining some sort of knowledge. Uh, And that is enough for me. I believe that people have to truly find God for themselves. Um, And I had a really difficult like a really difficult journey with understanding that when my mom found out I was gay, she tried to have me exercised by three of the deacons mm. uh, in my home, in my kitchen. So, Oof. uh, I, I just, I, I recoil at quite a bit of it. I still do. I, I don't think I've ever forgiven her for that. I do my best. Um, but yeah, that was, that was shitty. That's, yeah. mm. that's, 
that was shitty. And she used to always, you know, come at us with the, you know, obey your parents. And I was like, you know, but you're supposed to love first. Right. You're supposed to love me regardless because I too am your gift. And according to these scriptures, no matter what I do, you are to pray for me and you are to love me and show me unconditional love. And what mm. you have shown me is that love has many conditions. Mm. So I don't, I don't, now I don't understand what you're saying. Now I don't believe what you told me is true because you are my mother and you are like, you have to get out and God doesn't want you either. And I was like, mm. well, I, okay, cool. So that was, um, that was lonely. I think to grow up as a kid who, you know, is, is super, super in the church, but maybe not a PK when, you know, it's a fear. It's a fear that, you know, you're going to be left out or cast out or God will oh, want yeah. you. God. You'll be by yourself in eternal damnation or whatever that is. And, and I, I think that's sad. It still kind of breaks my heart to think about it. Yep. Um, you know, cause I, I don't, I would never want someone to feel that way in their regular life. Mm. Uh, I would never want somebody to just feel like you have no one. That's it. Like that desolation is not, that's not a good, that's not a good place to be. And why you would want to force that upon people, especially young people, yeah. is not sound and it's mean. Yeah. And that doesn't have a spirit of God. No. That has like, a, that has a spirit of man. So yep. uh, that's, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how it went for me. Yeah. There's so many kids who experience that and that's that's it's kind of crazy because it is designed the whole thing seems designed to make you so afraid of what's on the other side that you will be so alone or that you will be literally on fire forever or that yeah. you know whatever those consequences are they're so it's it's built to yeah. to to keep you in that you know keep you in the 99 and not be the one that got out of right. the pen right. that God has to go find. And, right. um, to, to so much so to our detriment, because we're not, we are such a big, beautiful, diverse, crazy group of right. <laughs> human beings. And we can't all possibly fit in, in that pen. Um, right. we just, we, we, we are a multitude of things. And, yeah. and if, if your pen's not, capable of holding us then and, and you're just sentencing those kids to really really hard times and yeah. um uh that's crazy i you touched on one thing though that is just my absolute favorite part of what we get to do with this podcast which mm -hmm. is um man when you were talking about the beauty in job 38 and how you're oh. like i don't know i like i don't know but i do know this like i believe I this and i love hearing because my thing and my point in life right now, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of hungry and just a, like, I kind of crave belief of some sort. I don't, yeah. I haven't like, I don't have a, I don't have a creed. I don't have like a structure or anything that I live by. Right. I just, you know, go right. by my gut. But, um, but I, my favorite thing about having these conversations with people is getting to experience belief through someone else's eyes and through someone else's heart. And so like for me, the Bible was so, like massively weaponized in my life that I have never been able to go back to it. I haven't cracked it in, I don't know how long. Um, my last, my last um, try with the Bible was an actual, like I sat down to read it cover to cover because I had never done that before. And my, my papa, who's extremely looms large in, in my life and is extremely religious uh, conservative man, challenged me to do that so that I would 
he thought that that would be the thing that, you know, got me back on track. And um, so I was like, fine, okay, like I will go read the Bible cover to cover and and <laughs> let you know what I think afterward. And, and it was that experience actually that just like, I felt so pummeled um, doing that. And I actually only made it through the Old Testament. I didn't even make it to the New Testament, which is, you know, I mean, a, lot of, a lot of the good stuff is. But just like move to Montana by yourself. Yeah. Like 100%. Yeah. The Old Testament is scary as hell. It is so um, scary. Yeah. Or boring. So-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so. But to hear you talk about the beauty of, of belief in in the way that you do it's like like that's something that like now i can latch onto that in you and be like i'm gonna like just siphon off a little bit of your belief in that because that's really healing and helpful for me and i, I think for lots of people you know yeah i just think like i i know how much i uh clinically fail mm. uh, i i my intent i would say most of the time is good mm -hmm. uh, but i the only thing that I know I can count on, just as 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 I know it will be light in X amount of hours, is that I'm going to fail. Sure. <laughs> like that is the thing that I know to be true, is that I'm going to make a mistake. Right. And I do not believe that I am above reproach. I am just, I just understand the fallacy of man itself. And if someone is going to ask me if I can place my belief and my faith in man, the answer will forever be no. Mm. I do not believe in human beings in the way that I think we could architect a sunrise or a sunset or to put the ocean on the clock that it is on. I, I, we, we cannot even get together as a group and not pick each other apart. Mm. We can't handle we, a Zoom chat. Like we're yeah, not- we literally, don't do well mm. with our own family yeah. so like to be responsible for the world as it were um yeah. i can handle science i can handle that science has a place i just we only use what did they say it's under 10 percent of the capacity of the human brain um mm. whether it's fable or or parable or interpretation of, of the seven days that it was created in i do know that we are are completely derelict overall like with our children with with our lack of safety with our understanding with our compassion with things like the holocaust and slavery mm. and genocide and mutilation and i'm just like that is not a deity that i can follow yeah. you are not somebody that i can get behind and so if if in this world i can look up and know that i'm not responsible to keep that constellation in a line i'm good with that mm. because i'll fail there's no fucking way that i'm going to remember to do that and even if i remember i might just fuck it up anyhow yeah like that's who i am um and i have to believe that there is something outside of us that says that there is there is a better place because here here in this land we aren't doing well and so i i, I don't say that to not be present i just if, if, if that is my belief in God, then all right, then that I can handle. And when I read Job 38, I have always said exactly what I've just said to you both, mm -hmm. but Job 38 it cleared it for me. Yeah. It was one of two times that God has ever answered back in the Bible, I believe. Mm. Um, and he said, 
you know, Job was complaining about all of the sacrifices and suffering. And he said, you know, like, were you there when I laid the earth's foundations? Like, tell me if you understand, did you mark out the dimensions for space? Like for the constellations, did you stretch a measuring line across it? Like, did you, were you there when the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? And did you shut the sea up behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? And when I made the clouds in its garment and wrapped in its thick darkness? Like, when you think about that, when you think about the construct of the ocean itself and that it will never need us to reset it, like it has the power to create its own living algorithm. Like, I can't text appropriately at times like i sent <laughs> wrong emails i couldn't even get on this podcast on time so when i think about like the the, the basics yeah. the limits of our humanity um i can get behind the fact that we are not in control i can get behind the fact that there is something so great and so far past my human comprehension that i know i can just be here that I, that I can be here, that I can try and operate by the Beatitudes if I do something wrong to atone and try to not repeat that. I, I try to operate outside of judgment because I know just how many times I've been delivered myself. Hmm. And, and that for me is all of the church that I can handle. Yeah, um, right. If somebody is outside of that, with their brim and their blame, I I just I'm all set. Like I'm cool on it. I don't want it. I don't I just don't I don't want it to touch me. But when I forget or when I lose my way, especially in these times with everything that's going on, um, I think about that passage. I think about Job thirty eight. Um he, he said uh when he was when he was talking about the ocean, he says you know, have you have you set the doors and the bars in place so when you command the waves, you say, this far you may come and no farther, and this is where you shall stop. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the ocean. I love the rhythm of the water. Mm-hmm. I love how vast it is and how much it could just take down an entire population in seconds. And I, I, I pay reverence to that. I respect it. Um, and when I think about Job 38, when I think about the world and how this is all going right now, I just, I am grateful. I am grateful that it is not in our hands. I cannot speak to what denomination that suits for everyone, but I do know that I don't have to feel let down by a counterpart or a peer um, that, you know, you can, you can toss a prayer in the sky, just like you chuck coins in a fountain and, I talk to God all day long. I I talk to God all day, like in my annoyance or like, that's not super cool. (laughs) This was really great. Thanks for that. That was, that was cool. You know, like I just try to keep it chill. I try to keep prayer around my neck. I try to always just be having conversations um, so that he will still remember, you know, what I, what I sound like. Uh, mm. for a long time I didn't I didn't I was really under the impression that God wasn't for me anymore because I, I mm. chose the lifestyle that I did and yeah. uh, Fuck I'm so blessed like I'm just so blessed that there's no way that that's not luck like right. I don't believe in coincidence I have a massive abandonment complex from being left in the hospital in three weeks like the last thing I need to be told is like God doesn't want you anymore mm. so 
you know, like getting through all of that um, was a blessing. And I've been handed some amazing opportunities in my life that I no doubt have had to work for, but it's not about you. It's not about another human being that can give you that peace. You can't, you can't make somebody else happy. You can support them. You can undergird them. You can encourage them and stand for them, but you cannot give them peace. Um, that is inside of you. And, mm-hmm. and, and whether you, whether you consider that to be the God in yourself, or whatever that is like i'm cool with you imitating that i'm cool with that becoming a trend i'm cool with kindness returning to a forefront and as far as the principles of 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 church of of christianity i i think i think that was the intention it's less about the multiplication of wine and fish and more about give if someone's hungry and and you can help them figure out how to not feel that way anymore then do so it really people get stuck on the uh the lexicon and the details and i'm just like you know if you look at the overarching theme here it's just give don't don't hoard don't be selfish just give don't be frightened yeah just just do it like i don't know how it's gonna work out yes you might fall you're probably gonna fail like yeah it's gonna be bad but like you're all right and uh knowing that we don't have to have that kind of um, reverence or deity towards another human being allows me to let the people in my life just be as fallible as they are. Yeah. And, it, and it gives me that grace myself. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it's Acts or Corinthians, but it says, my grace is all you need for my power is strongest when you are weak. Mm. I think it's second Corinthians. And uh, I remember that verse. So yeah. I think about that a lot. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to even have the conversation with you all now because I just don't think about it anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, it's tough to it's tough to think about your own creation story and, huh. and how you got to where you were with your cynicism and being jaded or, or whatever it's gonna be. But I I pray every day. I um, love that. I love that you just say you don't even think about it anymore. And yet at the same time, like I spent my whole childhood trying to figure out how to pray without ceasing, you know? Right. And like right. now I feel like that honestly is kind of something that I do. Mm-hmm. I just don't think right. about it and I don't define it in the way I used to. Right. And that's, that's the key. Like yep. I, I'm sure you probably experienced this, Karen. Like when I write, I mean, half of wild is in the middle of some prayer. Right. Like oh, yeah. constantly talking like, yeah. well, God, I didn't think that was super cool. Right. Uh, so you can text me back or let me know. You can let me know. Yep. <laughs> back or whatever. Oh, like, God, oh, yeah. Show me that you read the message. You know what I mean? Like, yep. It's a trip. So yeah. yeah. No, I love it. And I think that, I mean, Matthew used to do this really interesting thing the first season of Heathen where he was asking people how they define God now at the end of conversations mm-hmm. and what's your definition. Yeah. And I said, I think God is a flash mob is the closest I had for a definition of what I think God is. Because I think for me, I had to take God away from being a person that I could talk to and turn my construct of God more into like something I could choose to participate in. Uh, Like a, 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 uh, I don't know, something, a movement of the universe, a pattern, a rhythm of death and resurrection that I can participate in that i can recognize yeah tides the ocean all of that stuff like all of the the moon and and all of these pieces that are so there's so much repetition and pattern and echo and that this is something that i can trust to continue that i can trust death to be followed by resurrection 
in a thousand ways in the seasons sure. and the tides sure. and whatever. And that I can opt into that. I can opt into the energy. I can opt into the the sureness of that. I can opt to do and I can interact with it and I can I can speak to it. But I think that I mean, especially if you're if you're moving through life trying to write poetry at any given moment, like mm. we live in the question, right? And that's we're looking always for the thing underneath the thing and trying to put yeah. a name on it, trying to figure out how to name the thing. So I think it's really hard to be a poet and lose a construct of the divine entirely because yeah. it's hard to look for the thing under the thing and not see these undeniable rhythms and, and the, the somethingness of the nothing, <laughs> you know, the, the, the somethingness that's out there. And I love it. I think it was Richard Rohr that says that the only language that we have for God is metaphor because sure. we don't, I think whatever God is, we don't have a big enough story to tell, yeah. which is lovely because yeah. we'll never run out of shit to write about. Right. Yeah. So oh for th- sure. that's Lord. great. But I love that this idea that like we can't really. And so, and in that is so much freedom because then whatever your way of talking to whatever God is, is, or whatever your vision of God is like there's space in whatever I think God is. I think God is, big enough to handle all of these different ideas and pieces and parts definitely like i i see god in so many of the people in my life and in so many situations uh and in the way that i think as i continue to get older um and live life and and experience things and and be hurt and have love and lose love and you know you lose fortune and you know i it's just God has become um, a meter or measure of perspective for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I say that in the double entendre sort of way too as a writer. Like it's a, he is a, it's a meter. It's a constant, yeah. it's a constant meter for me of just how, what are you missing here? Where is your lesson? Like, are you are you applying thought to this? Have you been compassionate? Are you are you self-loathing? Like all of all of those those conversations that you have with yourself when you read the Bible, and, and I've read it so much just because I wanted to take it apart and figure out where I was misconstruing all of this mm-hmm. scripture. And um, you know, it's it's you read all of these stories of like sheer defiance and will and resilience. And if you took out all of the nonsense and the charlatan and the Southern Baptists and the, the Vatican and all of that stuff, I mean, the stories are phenomenal. Yeah. Like there are parts of the Bible, whether you're talking about Lot and his, his children that, that rival Shakespeare's most tawdry work. Yeah, like, yep. like yeah, the Bible's full of heathens. The hot ass is the just the hottest mess you could find. Yep, you know, and and then the Bible comes in with some bangers, and you're like, "Ooh, that was crazy." Yep. <laughs> what story awful. is this? Yeah, I'm a little oh, flush now. Yeah, you're trying to you're trying to see it all, and I was like, "Oh man, I don't. I think they meant. I think they meant exactly." That. <laughs> nope, nope. That is that is no, just literal. Okay, yep. All right. Yep. Then. You know, so. It, it, um, that is not a metaphor. Yeah, that is no. There's there's no simile there. <laughs> so it's been an interesting experience, I think, to um, just kind of be inviting it back into my space, especially 
being out and you know not compromising any of that like i have found more peace uh in my time being out as a person of interest or you know a speaker or whatever it is or dni or or, or however you have it because i, I am the same and yeah. what i was trying to explain to my family my mom really my sister has always accepted me is that like i'm not different right mm-hmm. i'm not different yeah. i don't i i'm not i'm the same oh I'm man I exist the way you raised me and I know the difference between right and wrong. Like I, I, who I see, who I date, who I decide to make a family with, like I, I will, I will love my children. I will operate in and be a good steward in the things that I have been given. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will teach them those things as well. And, and I don't know why this means you get to love me. No. And whoever God is or whatever God is, God is not surprised by your identity. This does not come as a surprise. Right. And that was the thing, too. I told my mom, I was like, well, didn't he already know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you would think. Like, no. It's a free will. But I'm like, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. No, don't. You pulled one over on the Lord. Right. So that's I impressive. Like, I feel like you said that that's not possible that he didn't because he, know, he knows my name. Right. And mm-hmm. your every thought and like mm-hmm. sees you when I you're guess, sleeping and knows when you're awake. And... You didn't know, but he knew. Like, he probably already mentioned <laughs> you. I don't know why everybody's yeah. so stressed. God, so, um, yeah, I feel that. I, feel I love that. it. Mm-hmm. I think it's so beautiful. We talk a lot about, because a lot of the work we do is our, our little weird unicorn. We go to this weird, I call it a unicorn church here in San Diego, where no one really quite has any sort of, there's no theological, like, right belief system. It's not like these are the right things that you must believe. It's that we all kind of like asking questions about what God is and and who God is and we like the rhythms of getting together on Sunday mornings and singing songs and mm-hmm. we like the idea of using the scripture we grew up in to figure out how to love people well and and live well and so we kind of hold those things in tension but we talk a lot when we're talking about church trauma about setting the bone in the wound where like you know when you break from a church in a in a harsh way or when you have that trauma like you've got a broken arm that you're walking around with and every time you hear every time somebody touches your broken arm it hurts, right? Because mm-hmm. if you don't set the bone correctly, like you, you have a wound there that hurts yeah. you. So when you hear a song, when you hear a Bible verse, when you hear this, and when you've done the work, when you have a beautiful redemptive experience with a new community of people or a new pastor or somebody who heals that for you and who helps you to set that bone, then like you get to use your arm again and suddenly yeah. these pieces come back and it cracks me up how frequently scripture pops into my brain in the middle of a conversation I'm like oh that's mine now like I'll be in the middle of a conversation with somebody who's conservative and they're like I just and I I feel my mama heart feels this all the time I have a lot of folks who are still like identifying as conservative Christian non-affirming humans in my life who are you know and like this feeling of like oh my my kid came out to me if I thought that fable if fable came out to me and I thought that that meant that she were going to die. I would call in the exorcist and I would throw my body between her and death, you know? Like I would do that because that's my baby. And if I thought- If you believed it. If I believed that she was going to die, I would try to save her. And what's funny in that conversation, like what comes up for me now all the time is I'm like, you know what? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers. Like I, I am convinced that 
whoever she is, she's exactly as God made her to be, and nothing can fucking separate her from the love of God. Like, I'm not afraid of that anymore. Right. That's not and a thing. I think that's the key, too. It's the, it's the fear-mongering. Like, yep. and, I, and I think that, you know, I won't, I really won't go into it, because I'm sure someone will come and, like, take my whole throat out. But, like, <laughs> I don't like being controlled by fear. Yeah, so I don't absolutely. Like that. And so what's happening in the world right now, like, right. nothing. The Bible seems pretty clear about not wanting you to be controlled by fear. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was just like, you guys had like 97 authors. Yep. Um, nobody cross-referenced any proofreading. <laughs> Nothing has been cited here. We have no references. No one has followed up on these interviews. And y'all just put a whole book out. And this mother sucker is an international bestseller. <laughs> and okay, so y'all just asked, okay, all right. That's cool. Whose overarching theme, whose thing that yeah. is most mentioned is do not be afraid. Like that's the most repeated phrase in the book, right? I was like, was this a campaign or like like yeah, is this right? before? Like like what happened, y'all? Like how did we how did everybody come up with these stories? So <laughs> yeah, I I feel you on that. Yeah, it's wild. It is. But that yeah, I, and that's the thing. Like fear I think when it comes down to it, everything that is fallible about humanity, everything I don't trust in humanity comes down to fear. Fear is the root of all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, any conversation that we have, eventually we're going to get to, well, because somebody's afraid of something. Sure. Whether it's loss of power or status or whatever. Yeah. It's always, it's always fear. That's so true. And there's, it's such a heartbreaking, it's a heartbreaking lie. Yeah. It's, I mean, and, and it's super, um, super crippling. Yep. You know, and it's got a really massive reach. So, you know, we are very powerful. Mm -hmm. We are, we are super powerful and the stories that we tell ourselves Mm -hmm. are, are, uh, are heavy. Um, and you would expect, at least I find that I would expect more from the stewardship of what Christianity or this religious religion as a denomination, as it were, would provide i don't Mm. i i didn't imagine they would be the dark horse themselves um so that you know that's that's tough that's a that's a tough realization for anybody who's raised in the church you know when you get to that place and you're like this isn't what i thought i okay i was i misunderstood you know what i mean that was that was a that was that was my feeling about it like i i didn't catch this episode like i came in late or whatever it was Mm. yeah whoops yeah and thank god that whatever whatever our construct of god is seems to be able to survive the death of our illusions about the church and that that part that's that's true that's 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 a thing for which i am eternally grateful because i was pretty sure that wasn't a thing i was pretty sure that god died with the church and that's why i was so afraid for so long yeah 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 i'm convinced that ain't the truth at this point i don't think it's true Y'all, I don't know the last time we had so much scripture reference on Heathen <laughs> Podcast. I, <laughs> you take us to church today. I'm kind of here for it. Yeah, yeah like, it's good. It, it did. We we did go to church. Speaking of church, I think we went there. Yeah, I I surprised myself. <laughs> Look at that. That's I, I all still it. up in there. I, I love it. Love it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, have have you been? Uh, do, I wanted to use poeting as a verb. Can can you I can. do that? Can you say? <laughs> have you been oh, poeting yeah, like? Is that a, a the part of the transition you made in your twenties, or have, were you writing like way back as a kid? 
I mean, I wrote as a kid, but like I wrote how all kids write. Like it was all terrible. But uh, <laughs> and rhymey, well, I mean, lots yeah, of rhyme. It, it was. It was in. It was my. It was my mid twenties, and uh, yeah, it it has it has been it has been a really interesting experience. Mm. Um, I when I when I started writing very heavily when I was working with Pastor Frank, um, I wrote a poem for Father's Day. Mm. Um, as a like a open letter to God and to my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went on this, uh, went on this show. Oh man. P4CM. It was this really big, like Christian poetry community. I don't know whatever ended up happening with all of that, but, um, I remember performing the poem at this big slam, this big Christian slam. And, uh, that was, that was a really cool experience to be able to not have to deny any part of myself. Mm. Um, which was very cool. Uh, I was still really struggling with my sexuality and uh, how to fit that. You know, my mom had made it such a, you know, such a, a thing that I was doing to the family and embarrassing her and, yeah. you know, all of this sort of thing. And, it, and so I, I was struggling with that in a very obstinate sort of way. And, uh, you know, it was it was the very friends that I never really understood in Hollywood that really helped me to just be comfortable. I think that was the thing that really pushed me to understand that people were so different than the suburb I grew up in, than the corporate job I had. Like, as an artist, whatever I said went. Hmm. And it all came together at the same time. Me coming out, uh, me understanding what my own relationship was with God and what I believe in, my writing changed, my voice really shifted into the voice that it is now, although that's progressed some too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I have I have been a full-time poet and performer for 12 years. This is year, year 12. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been something. This has been hilarious. It's been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, this, and this can totally be one of the things I'll just edit out if, if you'd rather not, but I was wondering if you would be willing to take us out with a poem, uh, if you have anything top of mind or maybe the Father's Day poem. I don't know. Heck yeah. Let me find that joint. Yay! <laughs> I'm so excited. We're while we're, while we're doing that and, uh, looking for that, is there, how can people find you online and where, where should, oh, where should yeah, we direct sure. them? I mean, I'm right now I am knee deep in this baby that I created called the teller summit. Oh, tell me about it. I haven't heard anything. <laughs> I bet. And it's a, it's a storytelling, uh, summit that we had planned for Puerto Rico, of course, prior to our knowledge of mm. the global pandemic. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, we have now pivoted and transitioned into growing it into a very like specific online community until we can all get back together again. Uh, and I am a full-time public speaker for a lot of different corporations. And so right now you can just find me in my living room. Um, <laughs> you know, our whole house is obsessed with the dog. We're, we're all not doing very well. We damn near accosted the woman that came to walk her right now because we were so excited to see. Hi. Hi. Uh, Hello. Yeah. It was, yep. it was, it was too much. Yep. Um, we understand. Yes, we do. Yeah. So that, you know, my, my, uh, my girlfriend brought the dog, uh, fedora today at the pet smart. And then we all <laughs> of put course. fedora on the dog and it was, it's truly amazing. 
Uh, you've never seen a fedora like this. And <laughs> we're gonna need it. We're gonna need a picture that we can yeah. put in the show notes of a dog of the. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna send the photo. You don't even have okay. to worry. I'll work Crazy. on it. That's I'm really just, good. Yes. Listen, we'll take. We we need what we we, need. we just gave our dog a, the, like the home haircut, and it was such. It oh, took three days and like three charges on the razor, and it was such a process. But, but he's real cute. He's now. finally he's, he's cute. Real, yeah, he's cute. I it mean, it was out. it was touch and go for a while yeah, we were there. Like, <laughs> Mistakes were made, but. In the end, he came out. He came it. out real cute. Hold on, I think I have it. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Broken angels. Where is it? Uh, got it. Okay. Well, it. I haven't looked at this since February first, two thousand and twelve. So <laughs> it might not be as great as I remember. I love um, that we're getting a deep cut. I love it. Yeah. So just go with it. It's fine. We are here. Like, we here for it. All right. <clears throat> Someone asked me what my father did for a living. And I told them, my mother left the LA Sheriff's Department to become an environmental tort attorney. They looked at me as if I had heard them incorrectly, but I don't know fathers. So I default to my mom. And she's a beautiful spirit. And most days I didn't realize that anyone was missing because when people ask me what my dad does for a living, my answer is always leave. He left. He never showed up. But if I were clear, I would have told anyone that asked me that my daddy hung the moon, the stars, and put the planets in a line so as to not disrupt the sun in its orbit. I would have told them that he constructed an axis, then placed the earth upon it, and gave it a push so that it could spin on a slow tick. That he is the ultimate lens crafter, healer, lawyer, and most prolific poet that words had ever seen. But that answer got stuck in my throat. Somewhere between me dancing with my science teacher at the father-daughter dance in the eighth grade and shattered promises from a man who echoed a ghost. It must have fell behind the phrase daddy's little girl because the only time that I've ever been my father's daughter is when I played one on stage. And I didn't learn to dance while standing on top of his feet. My mom taught me how to waltz. So I just tell people that he's not around. I just tell people that he raised me that she, my mom raised me by herself. But I should have said that my pops built man so that man could architect buildings. I didn't mention that my father is God and he gave his only son so that we might live, so that we could love, so that we could sin and be forgiven, so that we could birth sons and sons, so that we could celebrate earthly fathers and so that daughters could sit on their daddy's knees and sob about kindergarten heartbreaks to culminate, I'm without an earthly father. I simply am the product of a mother's prayer. God delivered me through a different womb in 1982 when single parent adoptions were unheard of. And I, I know mothers. I know that I have to imagine what it's like to be the daughter of a pastor because I'll never really know for myself. But I do know that my dad, that my God loves me from the celestial places of the universe that we have never seen. So I'm going to try, Lord, to stop telling people that I don't have one, that I don't have you. And the next time that somebody asks me what my dad does for a living, I'll hand them the Bible or point to the sky or tell them that he simply made you. Hmm. Hey, thank you for that. No worries. Hmm. Thanks for having me. I haven't read that poem in a long time. <laughs> How's it feel? A weird. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to throw out the whole hard drives. I was like, what was your? And you went on stage? <laughs> 
<laughs> I <laughs> love going back. Everybody just was like, that was really good. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I think at that point I had kind of found a way to make it for myself. What that poem reminds me of is that whole process yeah. that I was going through trying to figure out how I could still be a good person and be gay mm-hmm. uh, because I was taught that that there's that wasn't something that was even possible so yeah um, that was big that was a big that was big for me and uh pastor frank really encouraged a lot of that which was awesome and, and he like I said before I see God in people and there have been people in my life who have really shown me what it feels like to just be who they are and accept you for who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what the church was supposed to be in its design, a place where anyone could come and anyone could be welcome. And it it has turned into uh, not that, Uh, but there have been people that I have found church in. There have been people that have shown me what and how God is and can be. And I really just hold on to that. Between that and Job 38, I have what I need. Yep. That's beautiful. Awesome. I love it so much. The snapshots and the moments that, you know, make us. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Thanks, y'all. This is super cool. I was like kind of nervous and that was really awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love that I had no idea about any of this piece of your story at all. And I love I love knowing it and I love uh, just getting to, you know, continue to connect and, and move through, you know, life on the periphery of everything that you're doing that's beautiful in the world. Yes. And, you know, Same. I continually define you as my favorite living poet and I plan to continue to continually <laughs> do so. So, no, but, you know, I know this is not on the topic, but man, you're killing it. I love your work so effing much. Aww. Yeah, it means a lot to me, but we're not going to talk about it because I'm just going to get weird. <laughs> you should see the physical transformation <laughs> that just happened <laughs> in her right now. I like started picking at my jeans. I'm like,